everyone. Welcome to another episode of Apologetically Me. I'm Maggie. I'm Wanda. And today's episode is Badass Women. We're going to be talking about women in the workplace, women throughout history, um, boss-ass bitches that we know, um, and just women in general, because we love women. So first, let's get this started. Wanda, tell the people what's popping in quarantine. So this past week, I finished Bridgerton. I know I'm behind everyone else. I was not on the hype train when it first came out. I was busy watching another show, but I finally finished it. Um, it was good. I liked it for the beginning and the ends of each episode. Like I think they did really great cliffhangers that really made you want to watch the next episode, mm. but the middle kind of lost me. And this kind of like bridges into my beef of the week because I think I have well like I'll wa still watch season two I don't think there needed to be a season two it is a need for season two as someone who read the books okay okay so that's I guess that's totally fair I did not read the books I just have the show to judge but it felt like everything was closed off we found out who Whistledown was the main issue between the two protagonists of the show was resolved even though simon spent the whole show not wanting something and then in the end gave it up anyways so i don't know what that says i will just say okay so second season is based on anthony anthony however they say it and him becoming the actual viscount of bridgerton and his mom keeps trying to set him up but then like he he finds his own wife isn't he a Viscount already? Yes, but he still needs to get married. I, I don't know why. Oh, so he doesn't like officially take the title over until he gets married or something. I, I guess something like that. Someone corrects me if I'm wrong, but yeah, essentially like he needs to get married and needs to get an heir. Oh, okay. That makes sense. I guess the best part of the show for me was, and I didn't realize this, but all the Bridgerton children are named from the start of the alphabet. And yeah, like, didn't they talk about that in the beginning? I didn't. I didn't register it. I, oh. I, I guess I blocked it out or something. <laughs> but they mentioned it again as like a tradition at the like in the last episode, mm -hmm. and I was like, oh my god! There's like Anthony. I don't know what the second brother is called. Benedict. Benedict. And then there's Colin and then Daphne. And I was like, like Eloise. Are we going to name them all right now? <laughs> let me tell. All eight of them. End of the episode here. <laughs> let me, let me show you how I watch the show. <laughs> let me prove it to you. <laughs> but I thought that was fantastic. Um, I might do that in the future. When you get dogs, you'll just name them all. Alphabetical yes. I'm going to name all eight dogs after like, from A to F or something, or A to G. I don't know. That's a lot of dogs. I may or may not come visit you. It's a lot of children. Yeah. At what point do you become a factory? I guess the other thing I'm kind of curious about, though, is what happens to, like, so the oldest brother gets Viscount. What happens mm -hmm. to the second brother and, the like, the third brother? They're still alive. Like, they're still there. They just, like, don't have titles. Yeah, but that's so lame. Yeah, that that's how it works. That's so dumb. Like, they should be, like, Viscount count it by countess or something i don't know That's like the just, wife of the viscount <laughs> i know but it just it just doesn't seem like 
I don't know. By count two. <laughs> by count three. <laughs> yeah. Because, like, even in, like, the royal family, like, that we have now in England, firstborn is, like, the future king. But the, the second, like, child is just garbage. It's because it's the king and prince. Like, they're way higher. Viscount is just, like, a sign. It's also a sign of nobility, but it doesn't get passed on like that. Okay. So, which one is, like, the money thing? Is that, like, I don't understand how, like... Bridgertons are pretty wealthy. Work. Yeah, because they're right under the Duke, isn't it? Yeah. Yes. Okay. I don't know enough about like these nobility things. So if uh, if someone here knows, if someone's a Duke, let us know in the comments. Uh, also, us. hit up Maggie if you're a Duke. Oh cause... yeah, I'd love to marry a Duke. Also, don't be over. Well, don't be over thirty. I guess if you're a Duke, hit me up if you're under thirty, but minimum twenty four. Yeah, that's good. That's a good range. And if you're nice. Also, if you're not an abusive mansplainer. Yes, that's, that's, my, such that's a, my deal breaker. That's such a strict range. So overall, did you like Bridgerton? What rating uh, would you give it? I would give it a 6 out of 10. It's very low. I think that it is fair. Um, there was a lot. Okay, I, I forgot to talk about this. <laughs> I felt uncomfortable with how many... Um, Sex scenes. <laughs> there were in the show like they went on for too long and i felt like they were too intimate for me to be watching and i was just like i would sit there and i just like watch this like 10 minute long scene and it's just like there's so much butt and there's so much like legs and i was like like i don't know it it felt uncomfortable to me okay at least you didn't watch it with your mom she i watched it the first half by myself like a couple sex scenes here and there but they were short and the second half, it was, like, montages of sex scenes. Like, <laughs> Daphne and Simon nonstop, like, getting at it. And me and my mom were just, like, okay. okay. Awkwardly go on our phone for the next 15 minutes because of how long the sex scenes are. When I was little, my mom used to cover my eyes whenever two people would start making out. So <laughs> I had to what? watch this with headphones on when my mom was asleep. So she wouldn't see what I was watching. And then she'd be like, oh. <gasps> What is this? At this point, it's just easier to explain if you're watching porn than Bridgerton. Honestly, yes. But I guess it's like staying true to the books too because they are basically like erotica. Like romance Uh, novels are mostly erotica. Is there like a hunky man on the cover where his shirt's ripped open and his hair's flung back? Okay. No. From the um, online books I was reading, no. (laughs) But also, go Shonda Rhimes. I think a big part of why I watched it and continue to watch it was because I am a big stan for Shonda Rhimes mm. and yeah, everything that she has done. She's such a creative person. And I love that they just, like, brought in Black people. They're like, yeah, you know what? It's not normal back then, but we're going to do it. Fuck it. Who cares? Yes. that was, I think that was the big thing where I was like, oh, wait a second. What? Like, I thought they'd be very racist back then. And then they touched on it with, like, being, with, like, Lady Danbury was, like, oh, the king married one of us. And then we became, like, equals in the IO society. I was like, oh, you solved racism by race mixing. <laughs> <laughs> but they didn't really have any of their own kids. They did. They did? They were just gone already, I think. Because, like, she mentioned, mm-hmm. she was like, um, oh, he's blah. Or, like, his name was, like, Andrew or something. He's gone to blah. And then, like, he was asking about, like, Amelia. And she's like, oh, Amelia died. 
oh, and I'm pretty sure that means like children oh man i hope they see that's why we need a second season to figure out what happened like i'm glad they closed everything off like i felt like if there was no season two i would have been happy with like just that mm. but the fact that i know that there's a season two i'm like Meh. i think there's a lot to go into for season two so i'm personally happy i'll still watch it of course i am uh support shonda rhymes yes so I kind of did our what the beef section and our quarantine update in the same thing. So Maggie, what about you? Um, so my quarantine update, I tried out a new app. I don't know if you guys heard of it. It's called Heartcade. Um, and it was founded by this badass woman. Um, her name is Amy G, I believe. She's an MBA. She's like a law student as well. She's just killing it. Um, and she started this app and it's supposed to be similar to love is blind. So the premise is it's based, it's broken up into three phases. So phase one, you choose an avatar, just like some generic, like video game theme thing. And it generates a nickname for you. And then you put like your preferences, your age and your job title. And that's all you see for phase one for other people. So they give you like two days and they just give you like a select number of people to chat with. And then phase two hits, it reveals just the location, which I found kind of stupid because I've been telling people my location. Um, so if anyone wants to know where I live, hit up my DMs. Apparently, I'm just giving it out left and right. <laughs> Maggie just gives it away for free. I'm just like, hey, come, come over to my house. But JK, not really because it's COVID, guys. Stay at home. Phase three is like the big reveal. Like you, if you want to heart them, if you want to X them, that's how it works. So I accidentally hit X next to a guy I like talking to. So that was a misconnection. My bad. If you're listening to the developers, please fix that issue. Let me know if you can do a confirm thing. Um, and then once you click the heart, then it's like it reveals your face and your bio, where you live, and you have to upload six pictures of yourself. So it reveals all of that if you want to continue talking. I think it's a cool concept in theory. In reality, uh... Not so much. We were saying before that like Love is Blind only works because someone like pre-screened them to make sure that they were like okay looking and not like super creepy. So this app is a uh, maybe didn't screen people based on their looks. And I guess it's hard to screen people. I guess you have to pay like a premium for that or go on a reality TV show. Two things. First, the like what if someone just stops talking to you after your pictures are revealed? Like how would that make you feel? Sad. And I guess you don't really have an obligation. Like, it, it is kind of sad, I guess, but it happens. Like, it, it, I guess it does want to answer the question, like, is love blind? Like, how much does looks play into this? But then you would know. You'd be like, oh, wow, I do have a good personality. I just am ugly. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> like, I feel that like that sucks. is like, a, yeah, that, like, I, I would be scared to, I guess, use the app for that mm -hmm. conclusion that is a that is a good point i guess there's really no winning here mm -hmm. because on tinder or whatever other app you're judging only based off looks like you don't really care about their bios or what their personality is at first you're only looking for looks yes so i guess that's a little bit tricky yes that's that i guess that's fair i guess at least this one you're in you're in the door at least mm -hmm. your foot's in the door the door might still close on you but at least but your foot was there yeah half there yep um <laughs> <It counts. laughs> second thing i guess 
do you know anything about the guy where we could do like a PSA? Like, look for this guy. Yeah. You know what? I want I'm like torn right now between like looking for him and not looking for him because he said things that I was like, I don't know if we'd actually be attracted to each other in real life. Um Pardon? He, he said that he has a beard, but he's never cut his beard before. Mm, either way, I still don't love facial hair. Okay, that's fair. <laughs> that's fair. He's he's 25, a consultant in Toronto. That's all I know. Oh, wow. Nothing else? Nope, that's all I know. Okay. If you're 25 years old and are a consultant in Toronto and you have a beard that you've never cut, maybe cut off the beard and then hit Maggie up. But also don't do that. Please don't Please Don't, don't change. change yourself yes. on me. <laughs> if or you think anyone. we have a good connection, hit me up in my DMs. Also, it's Valentine's Day today or the day we're filming this. So, yeah, hit me up. Send it, me some chocolate. Yeah, it'd be great to make a connection, I guess, based off of this podcast. I think that was something that I w- would have loved to do. Like, I wanted to make, like, I wanted to be that person that'd be able to, like, find those misconnections or something. Like a matchmaker? Yes, me, the matchmaker. I'd be a great matchmaker. Uh, what is that supposed to mean? I've... <laughs> I not so sure about that but you know me now i think me younger maybe no but me now has so much life experience or has so much objective life experience as a single third party with no as interest a single in the third mad. party <laughs> yeah exactly i have no agenda of my own i'd be great so moving on to my beef of the week my beef of the week is it's actually kind of general but i'm gonna attack that movie after we collided i don't know if you've heard of it but it's on netflix um, it's basically based off a Wattpad book. It's a YA trope. And the reason why I'm attacking Hardin Scott is because all these boys are just so like toxic. In almost every movie, they break up with a girl. And after we collided, they break up, I think, at least four times. What is this saying to girls who are young? It's saying that, hey, if you're really in love and he's hot and he has a British accent... You guys can break up as many times as you want. It's fine. You can get back together. It's love. That's what love is. Um, I don't think love is supposed to be that turbulent. Um, and you're supposed to cry all the time. Uh, and you have public fights and yell at each other a lot. Doesn't sound like love to me. And same thing with, um, like, to all the boys, too. Like, in almost every movie, um, I said almost, so I didn't give anything away. Peter Kavinsky breaks up with Laura Jean. So at all the YA boys out there, why you keep why you keep being toxic? Like what message are we trying to show girls? That is kind of a trope though, too. Yes, but it's not a good trope. Yeah. They're all very hot and cold. I found that like leading men in like teenage movies are very like I really love you, but uh, I need to leave you or something or like they'll get really angry over something so it's That's like you're describing after we collided right now <laughs> <laughs> well I haven't seen the movie so I guess I don't you need to just see describe it the second half of the second movie so yeah <laughs> if you're in a relationship and someone gets that angry with you like a chick flick YA novel angry at you maybe reconsider yeah like life isn't like the movies don't do it i think i 
when I was younger, I like High School Musical came out, right? So it came out when we were probably still in grade school. And I thought high school was going to be like High School Musical. Not without the dancing and the music Mm. part, obviously. But I thought it was going to be like this amazing experience where like I was going to find like the love of my life kind of thing. Me too, yeah. And it was just going to be so much fun every day. Like, I don't know. That's what I thought high school was going to be. It's not. It's very boring. It's nothing like the movies. And I I think it's like a catch-22 because we like all these movies. Like, I love rom-coms too. I like reading romance novels, but they're so like they romanticize like everyday life so then you go into it thinking oh my god i'm gonna find the love of my life and you don't and you get crushed but here we are still reading into them yeah i think it just uh because the viewership i guess for those kind of shows are like younger like maybe take it with a grain of salt like not things are not going to happen this way for you like most likely you might you might be lucky and you might get that fairy tale movie ending that you want but it's not a fairy tale yeah sorry sorry to break it to you (laughs) i'm very sorry to all the listeners but life is not a fairy tale if we had to be the one to tell you i'm sorry honestly also we're glad if we're the ones to tell you you've lived a pretty privileged life and good for you (laughs) (laughs) also maybe we need to get advice from you (laughs) yeah uh hit us up if you your life is a fairy tale uh we would like to buy the movie adaptations for it uh, and sell it to netflix okay moving on to our topic this episode our topic is badass women what is a stereotype of women in the corporate world um we have both worked a lot we've been around the block um want to describe what men and women are like what's the stereotype here i have a few things not maybe things that i've noticed directly in the organizations that i've worked but just more of like a i guess general stereotype so there's this whole thing where male leaders who are dicks for example steve jobs are idolized in like culture and like books and stuff but then you have females that act the same way and they're called bitches realistically no one like you should never be a leader who is a dick but it's very much a double standard and i think that's generally the consensus for all the stereotypes of women in the corporate world so the other thing is women are expected to run a family and a business at the same time while a lot of men like leaders tend to rely on their wives to take care of their family when they're busy or whatnot but there's never a time where a woman can be like oh i relied on my husband she would be crucified by her coworkers, her organization the media like i can't even imagine if something like that came out like what people would say I think to that point too, it's like, even when we take a look at women in leadership or like women in any sort of position of power, you, you take a look at like, if they're pregnant or not, if they have kids, like, oh my God, look, she can do it all. She has kids. What about for people who maybe don't want to have kids? Then they're just criticized for not having kids. And it's like, oh, your life is so easy. 
because you don't have kids or you choose not to have kids. You're a horrible person. You need to have a kid. I'm almost scared in a way to have children. I don't know if I want children, but I'm in a way scared to have children as well, just because I don't want children to damage my career. My career is everything to me. And I don't think I'd ever be able to I live if I knew that my children were holding me back. Like I had to take time off. I wasn't going to get a promotion or I had to leave work early because my kid was sick or something. And that kind of hindered my performance kind of thing. But like men don't really have this fear. Like they can have kids and then bounce right back. But then at the same time, like you said, if I don't have kids, people are going to be like, wow, she like, she's a terrible selfish. Yeah, exactly. That she wants to only focus on herself. She's uh, closed minded. She never wants to have a family. She must be so cold, so distant and everything. So like, you really can't win there. In Michelle Obama's book, she was actually talking about having her first kid. Um, and she was saying that she had to like step back from work and she had to accept a part-time role instead. And what happened was even though she was doing part-time work, she still had to cram like a 40 hour work week into 20 hours. And she said she wasn't complete in doing either one. So even when she was at work, she was thinking constantly about her kid, like, oh shit, did I, like, does my kid have a peanut allergy or something? Or when she's at home, she's like, she feels guilty when she has to take work calls. And she was like, it's so hard to do both to be, to be a working mother, but I also don't want to give up my career and I don't want to give up being a mother. And she said like, while this was going on, her husband, Barack, his career didn't stall at all. Like he was moving on, like becoming a politician, like getting, getting Senator and everything. So she was like, that was a little bit, she didn't say it word for word, but how I saw it was she was a little bit annoyed that she had to take on so much responsibility and he didn't miss a step at all in his career. A good significant other, male or female, that can support you through having children. Like, that's that's what you want, right? But even mm-hmm. then, like, I'm sure, like, Barack Obama was a great father figure in his, like, children's lives. But he just wasn't, like, you'll never be able to really understand what she yeah. was going through, I guess. And it's very hard to sympathize with I guess the mentality and like the things that women face in this aspect if you don't experience it yourself so like you can call us out and be like well men face like prejudice in the workplace too it's like yes but we're talking about this specific thing where we don't think men face this I I think it just like makes it also look but or bad for the mom too. Like if she is not there at home with her kids, then she's criticized for looking bad. But the dad wasn't like Barack Obama wasn't criticized at all for not being with his kids. Like Michelle Obama like faced that guilt on her own. And I think like all women like resonated with that. Mm-hmm. Like even even in like the workplace, you see like guys, I guess guys can take paternity leave. I guess that's more accepted now. But even when you see like a guy with kids or something, it's like, oh, wow, you're babysitting your kids. That's so great. You're not babysitting, you're your own kids. But it's it's just like the responsibility falls on the women. And a lot of people like are like stay at home dads are becoming more mainstream, but we should really well, one, if you ask someone when they're gonna have kids, firstly don't ask that. <laughs> but if you do ask that and you insist and they say they don't wanna have kids, don't tell them that they're just too young and that they'll change their mind eventually because women have other purposes in life other than being a kid factory. My 
my former mentor at my old workplace, she like as soon as she got married, someone had asked her at work, like, oh, so when are you going to have kids? Or they asked something like, Are you pregnant? Or like, are you expecting? And she was like, No, what the hell? Like, I I don't want kids just yet. Like, I'm 26 right now. I don't I don't want to have kids. I just got married. And she was like, What if I said I was barren? Like, why are people just judging me based off the fact that I got married like they don't know my situation like you should not be asking this question at all I'm, I'm the one who, to say it yeah unless a woman is like I am actively trying to have kids maybe so don't weird. ask them when they're gonna have kids <laughs> also I think it's so weird to say I am actively trying to have <laughs> kids it's like yes me and my husband are having unprotected sex every single night until I become pregnant there's like a tweet that's like every time I hear uh, we're trying to have kids, I uh, all I hear is every night my husband is uh, releasing his fat load into my <laughs> pussy or something. It's a it's a little weird thing to to publicly announce. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna judge people for it. I just think it's a little bit weird. Yeah. Well, I also going back to it. I don't think that a male or a female should be worried about their career when they have kids. I don't know, maybe support your wife or significant other more. I think it's just important to have that conversation before even having kids, like making sure that you guys are on equal footing Mm -hmm. because if one person takes on all the work, you're going to resent your partner for it. Yeah. So make sure that it's equal footing and that you're, you're not being waste. Like, don't make one person do everything. I think that's the big takeaway here. Yeah. If Michelle Obama felt that way, then you can feel that way too. <laughs> but also, I guess you don't know until you you actually have a kid. Maybe yeah. you should do a practice run with like a watermelon or something. <laughs> You're not helping me at all with this watermelon, baby. <laughs> How did you drop this watermelon? Why would you eat it? <laughs> Stop eating it off the floor. <laughs> okay. So. What's the stereotype of women as freelancers, entrepreneurs, and self-employed people? You know, you want to talk about this. Okay, so there was like a LinkedIn post recently that women are like, she was, she's an entrepreneur herself. And she just said that I'm not a CEO. I'm not entrepreneur. I'm not any of those like cutesy names that go along with females who are their own boss. I am an entrepreneur. I'm a leader. I am I deserved the same titles. I don't need to like cutesify it to for people to take me seriously. You should take me seriously like regardless. I might be butchering this and this explanation, but kind of within that realm. And that really resonated with me cuz I think women do f- like have a lot of hardships getting even funding, getting their foot in the door, getting their ideas taken seriously. And so the reason why we kind of were inspired to do this episode this week was because of uh, Whitney Wolf Heard. I think I said her name correctly. And she just took Bumble public. So she's 31 years old and the youngest female CEO to take a company public. And she's the youngest self-made billionaire because Kylie Jenner got that title stripped like last year or something. Yeah, I'm pretty sure she did. Forbes named her the youngest female billionaire or self-made billionaire, but they found out that like Chris Jenner paid 
her extra money or something to push oh, her over God. the mark. Yeah, so they stripped her of the title. We can just talk about the Kardashians for one episode of how much I dislike them. But also she loves them, so. Yeah, it's a weird love-hate thing. But anyways, keep going. Because of this, there was like a story about a LinkedIn news editor who Whitney approached in her early days when she first wanted to start Bumble. And she pitched the idea to her to maybe write like a article about her and her company and everything. And the LinkedIn news editor passed because she didn't think that this woman had a reasonable idea. She didn't think she had like the chops, I guess, to make this company into something big. She basically said like if someone like LinkedIn, which is supposed to be like very inclusive, very like diversity driven, could pass on her, like just think about how many other hardships that she must have faced becoming what she is today. So just I guess something something to think about. Damn. Yeah. I kind of I mean, go Bumble for making it this far. So Whitney started from Tinder, right? Yeah. And she said it was like a super toxic work environment. And then that's when she branched off on her own. Yeah, she filed actually a sexual harassment suit when she left the company. But she's like credited for the whole like Tinder, like logo and everything, like the flame and the match and everything. And she's like credited with getting popularity from like college and university campuses of like the Tinder app. So like we know that she had the chops to be able to do it, yet people still underestimated her like every step of the way because she was a female and we don't see that many female, I guess, leaders in such high positions. And that's the other thing. Because we don't have role models like or like women in those high leadership positions or even like in more senior positions, it's hard for like another female to or even like a young girl to be like, oh, I want to be. Yeah. In any situation. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I agree. I think there's a lot of things too that it's like a stereotype when you're working. Like girls will generally feel maybe it's something that they internalize. So they maybe they just do this on, in the workplace on their own. So like for you and me, like we've, we've done like a lot of things. We've done internships like full-time jobs, contracts, whatever it is. So we we know what it's like in the corporate Canada world. But yeah, a lot of women like internalize this. They go into the workplace. Maybe it's going through imposter syndrome, but I think it's like little things that we do that kind of set us up for failure or set us up into that stereotype. You know, when you send an email that is like too many, if there's no exclamation marks and it's just all periods, I freak out and I think it's mean. And I'm always like, okay, I got to write a nice email I'm going to say, sorry, I'm going to say, hope all is well, smiley faces, make sure that everything is there to make sure the other person knows that like I'm a nice person and that I want them to respect me. But maybe doing that is just kind of hindering me and just bouncing back poorly. Yeah, I think so. The email thing, there was on the Try Wives podcast, Ariel was saying that they were working on some kind of like she had to get in like the manuscript or something and I think she was a few days late with it so she was writing this email about how she's like oh I'm so sorry that I'm late but here it is blah 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 and then she like left to go do something else and then Ned comes over and like Ned usually like proofs reads her email anyway because he's just more experienced and kind of like sending the stuff off and like when she came back it was like completely changed it was like 
thank you for waiting for like this manuscript we're so excited for you to read it etc etc so like he completely changed the tone of the email to be from like oh I'm so sorry for doing this to thank you for waiting kind of thing just like but it's the whole like a female versus I guess male perspective I guess yeah that is kind of it's like the males like they expect people to wait for them or Mm -hmm. not like expect it but it's expected for respect or like common decency but for females like they they will take the blame they'll say sorry that was my fault yeah I'm so sorry like sorry is like one of my everyday things and it's why apologetically me is our podcast title because we're sorry for being us and that is something I'm trying to actively change too where I'm trying to say sorry less but I will I will kind of evaluate if sorry fits into this situation I think one of the best pieces of advice I got was try to spin things from like an apology to like a a gratitude appreciation kind of thing so like instead of saying like sorry I'm late say thank you for waiting for me or instead of saying I'm sorry for uh this mistake be like thank you for catching that error yeah but I feel like sometimes I just want the other person to say sorry or if you're admitting that you're wrong about something I think I would want the person to say sorry. But that's just me being petty where I'm like, ha, I was right. I think it gets the point across. I just think it doesn't put you in a like in a similar compromising position for like admitting fault. Cause like I think what I'm trying to actively work on was I would apologize for things that weren't really in my control or really in like mm. were because of me. Like I'd be apologize for other people's actions. But like they can do that themselves. Like unless realistically what are you doing in the corporate world that you really require people to say sorry to you that many times like unless you're severely (laughs) screwing up your job um when I first started at my old job I would constantly say sorry like all the time um and you're right just for things that wasn't my fault at all like if a meeting got changed and like I went to the meeting room or something and I was like oh where's everyone and I emailed my co-manager at the time and she was like, oh, we changed it. Didn't you see? And I was like, oh, my God, I am so sorry. This is so my fault. I'm so sorry. And she was like, it's fine. Like, this is not your fault at all. Why are you saying sorry? Like, twice. Hey, can choose a time when you're going to say sorry and say it once. Don't say it more than that. Other than that, it becomes annoying. Yeah. I'm like, damn. Okay. You right. I think that's good advice, too. Yeah, it's good. But I'm also, like, I was starting out and I was like, oh, I just want everyone to like me. I just want to be the likable person. But maybe... And I know I've sorry. talked to another, yeah, I I think that saying sorry for some reason makes me a likable person. Um, but really, I, I don't think that's who I want to be. I want to be the person who's like the, the smart one, like the person who knows everything, who's like known to be good at their job, not the one who everyone likes. Because the one who, hmm, this is the catch 22 here, because the one who everyone likes, they won't get fired. But the one who is good at their job, mm, there could be another person good at their job. Yeah, I think if I had to choose, I think I would choose the one that everyone likes. But also at the same time, I also want to be good at my job. Yeah, can I, I be both? Is, is that too much to ask? Yeah. But but I think you're right. Um, I think it's just about choosing when to say sorry. And I think about saying no, too. Because I don't know about you, but every time I say yes to things... I 
I don't even think about like what the purpose of the assignment was or like what the task is. Or I'm like, wait, I shouldn't even be doing this. Like this doesn't make sense. I think you should be empowered enough to say no whenever you need to. And I think it's another thing, or maybe it's not even specific to women. Maybe it's just everyone who's young and eager go-getter. I think it's just think about when to say no as well. Like, yes, you want to look good. Yes, you want to show that you're capable, but work work smart. Yeah, I think 100%. I agree with that. Not just women, but like people who are young, who are just starting out in their careers. Because part of the feedback that I've gotten is you want to challenge things. So this means not just following everything that the like organization already does blindly. You want to be able to think for yourself and if something doesn't align or if something's not done well and you think it could be done better, then say it. Like don't just say yes for the purpose of trying to look good or trying to please people because oftentimes if you challenge it and you are right about it, then it that reflects better on you like you are going to be the one who gets the promotion or who gets the raise and I think it's more common in women though maybe this is just from my own experience but just from all the women I know who are in the working field right now they they say yes like they're the ones working overtime working the most they take on the, the grunt work I feel like when I was working too like I would like I would just more often than not just say yes to things just because like I'm also like a pretty productive person. So I tend to get things done pretty quickly. So it's like, I don't want to be bored at work too. But I shouldn't just be saying yes to things because I'm bored. I should be looking for other things for like self improvement or how to like better the organization in other ways, rather than taking on like other people's like grunt work just because I have the capacity to do so. That's our advice there. Say no. Say hmm, no. Maybe this, maybe this goes back to consent too. Say no. <laughs> yeah. Consent to work assignments. (laughs) Consent is a two-way street for work. Yeah. And also, don't say sorry so much. Sometimes it's not needed. Say it once. Mm. And change, spin everything to be a positive rather than a negative to really change the mood. It's tough because, like, how do I, like, I am trying to stop myself, but how do I stop myself from reading emails that I think are mean? Like the tone is like if there's too many periods or if they use like those ellipses, like the three dots, I'm like, oh my God, they're mad at me. I'm going to spend all day thinking about this. Why did you end your sentence in a period? That's something you just have to get over with age. Like I think we're at the age right now where we just overanalyze everything. And I think we're just like both of us are those types of people too. Like Mm. we're the overanalyzers. We're like, oh my God, they're mad at me. Or, oh my God, like this is the end of the world kind of thing because they put ellipses or they put a period instead of explanation mark. And I don't think people mean it like that. Like most people just rush through emails. I used to end my sentences like on MSN or chat or something in periods. And my friend one day told me she was like, every time you end your sentence in a period to me, I think you're mad at me. And I spend like all day overthinking this. So you have to stop doing that. So I was like, okay, I'm sorry. I guess also advice, don't overthink emails. (laughs) take just read them as they are if people really mean to say something else and they are like oh why didn't you read between the lines that's on them for just not coming to you directly unless you're saying something like as per my last email like that you should you should kind of understand that's corporate talk yeah but also if you lose if you Mm -hmm. use ellipses in email you need to reevaluate your life and I think that's mostly boomers doing that. But stop doing that. I don't think ellipses helps at all for anyone. It's so ominous. 
Yeah. Like if you, <laughs> I've had someone say thank you to me, dot, dot, dot. Why would you do that? Do you do you not mean the thank you? Why would you say thank you that? Honestly, no, like completely. It's I've never seen anyone who's young do it. I think it might have just been always the older people. Yeah, I think it just might have been how they were taught in school or something, how to type. Or like that was a thing like a few years ago that we just don't understand. Like, what did I do to you? Just tell me what I did wrong and I'll fix it. But also I'll only fix it if it's if I'm if I'm in the wrong. Yeah, you go, girl. <laughs> self-growth oh get it (laughs) I guess the other thing is the going back to the whole I guess women in the office like women working in corporate jobs and everything it's the self-selection like whenever I like talk to like female professors and stuff that are like working in HR they're always like women tend to self-select themselves out of the process before even applying to a job this is like they'll read something they're like oh I'm not qualified for this for them to feel like they should apply to a job I think on average it's like six to eight of the ten things that they feel like they can do versus for men they only need four out of the ten so that in itself is like if you're you're not even applying to an opportunity how are you going to get that opportunity firstly and then like Second, the way that some job descriptions are tailored, like, for example, the world, the word rock star is tailored towards like males. So there's a lot of like gendered language, like master or like ninja, like all those words are very like male oriented and you're more likely to get male applicants because of it. So So weird. Yeah, it's it's insane how like male and female brains work in that capacity, because if you have a job description like that, it's almost they're actually saying that this could be like something that's sexist. That's so funny. Let me make this job description more masculine real quick. (laughs) Because like some people like just want to hire like males, right? and or like a certain age range so they like they put specific words on there to attract that gender and that age range it's really weird how you like you don't really think about these nuances and like like something as simple as a job description but it's so like very easily can Mm. women be excluded from like a job interview if she's not already excluding herself and you know what's a good example of this i'm sorry to interrupt you but do you remember In episode one of Suits, Mike Ross just walks into the interview, not qualified at all. First requirement is be a lawyer or have the have a degree of some sort. He just walks in and is like, give me the job. Like blackmails him into giving him the job. Um, And that is my best representation of man thinking they deserve the job. And women not giving the same opportunities. Yeah, Rachel. Rachel, she was so qualified. But she didn't have, like, she never passed the bar. She never got into law she school. Had way more experience than Mike did. Oh, my and God. And wasn't even considered. She, just because she didn't test well. But she would have been a way better lawyer than Mike. I'm sorry. Unpopular opinion. I think the other thing about Rachel was that she never got into Harvard. And she had to fight tooth and nail for, like, the whatever they were called at the time the law firm that they all worked at to just every season yeah to consider her to be a lawyer there even though she worked as a paralegal there she was the best paralegal that they had she like was she got like, her own office that's how good she was yeah but then the fact that she couldn't get into harvard the firm was like you can't work there if you didn't go to harvard like that's our only that's our requirement but you let mike ross go in with 
no degree. <laughs> like, all he proved was a photographic memory. Okay, how is that going to win you in court cases? Yeah, Rachel had the experience, she had the connections, and she couldn't get in. Where Mike Ross was a freaking drug White dealer. Boy. Yeah, stoner too. Yeah, and he was doing drugs still at the time. And it's just like, come on. You know, yeah, that's that's honestly a great comparison. I'm so glad you brought that up. Struggles that females face in the workforce in comparison to a man. Yeah, we don't even need to see this in every day. We see this depicted on our favorite TV shows. Yeah, favorite is a stretch, but you know. <laughs> not, not so favorite anymore. It went real downhill after episode one. Yeah, it was a great first season. <laughs> great episode one back to your point that that is very true about the job description thing and only recently i think is when i've started to i mean i've been telling you to just go for it every time i see like minimum five years or something experience i'm like fuck it just apply go for it and i i tell you that but i don't i don't do what i preach so it's it's a little bit tricky because i do see sometimes like a job experience or if i don't meet like a lot of them so for example if i see a job description and i missing like four of them or three of them that's when i'm like okay i'm not gonna apply to this this is like too senior for me it's too it's too much i can't do it but men have the audacity to come in and are just like yeah you know what fuck it i'll do it and usually i think they're okay too like the most that will happen is you get a no from the interview they're not gonna laugh you out of the room i'm the exact same way i always tell you to apply for things (laughs) and then when it comes to me i'm like Oh, I don't know. Like nowadays you'll see like junior positions and they put seven years of experience on there. That is ridiculous to me. There was a bunch of job descriptions for engineers that were like, oh, you must be experienced like in five plus years in this language. The language came out like two years ago. And the guy (laughs) who wrote the language was like, oh, I guess I can't apply to this. Even though (laughs) I invented it. (laughs) Yeah. Like, I'm not qualified enough to be able to. Like, it's geared towards them finding the best candidate, right? Like, it's not geared towards ensuring that applicants have the best experience in most cases, right? Yeah. Oh, the other thing is, um, I used to do this, and I've stopped now, but in Canada, there's this thing called affirmative action, which if you do disclose that you are a minority race or minority gender, you are given more opportunity and it may be equal opportunity to those that are not a minority. But I used to joke that I'm like, haha, I only got the job because I'm an Asian female and like they need more more of me for diversity reasons in the company. And like now that I think about it, like that's so toxic of me to joke about that because I was really qualified and I deserved the jobs that I got. But for like a lot of my male peers like I would joke about it and they would just like laugh along and joke about it with me too. They're like, oh, you probably just got it because of like the fact that you're a female. In Canada, there's a very uh, competitive school um, and it's it's very hard to get like a banking job abroad. Um, so my friend, she is a person of color. Um, she's a woman. Uh, when she got a job, someone came up to her in class and was like, you only got the job because they needed a diversity hire. And that stuck with her for like a year or two. Like she just constantly kept thinking about it. Like, holy shit, like, was I, am I a diversity hire? Like what's going on here? And then when they offered her full time, she was talking to like her manager and she said, hey, I have like a serious question to ask you. Did you only hire me because I'm a 
token hire? Like, was it just for your diversity quota? Because I know that's a thing now. And they were like, no, no, no. Who told you that? That's so rude. Like, you're here because you're good at your job. And like, I, I don't understand like, the audacity someone had to go up to her and say that to her face that you just got the job because you're a token hire. I just don't understand. But I also relate to your whole like internalizing that, haha, I'm a token hire. They only need me for diversity. Because to be fair, in almost all the places I've worked, I have been the only person of color. Like the places I was interning at, I was always like, oh, yeah, I guess I'm the token hire. Like maybe that's just my role. I'm just like the sidekick person. Like I'm just here because like they they needed someone else. That's so sad. And I feel I, like if you think this way about yourself, it is very much not true. Unless your manager went to you and was like, hey, you're the diversity hire and we only hired you because we needed to fill our quota. You have no... HR. Yeah, okay, firstly, <laughs> go to HR or no, 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 don't even also, do that. Yeah, I think Report HR... it to the government. <laughs> <laughs> go through the proper channels for like workplace, like uh, human rights uh, tribunals and yeah. all that stuff. Go look it up in your country's um, a, like legal pro- human rights process. Yeah, well, report but, it there because yeah, HR, HR will not help you. HR is not your friend. HR is the, comp- is the for company. The, yes. Yeah. So re- report it first. But then that is the only time you should be thinking that you are a diversity hire. You are there because you deserve to be there. You are the best person for the job. And you shouldn't think otherwise. Oh. 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 That's so beautiful. But what we also see happening is that women become the scapegoats in as far back as history and even in modern day too. So there was an article we were reading called Glass Cliff, and it was basically explaining how women are kind of the scapegoats when a company or situation is in crisis. They want to bring in mommy, and I'm putting that in quotations. They want to bring in a woman to fix the day where they're like, oh, look, we give women a chance now. Like now you can, you can do it, right? Like the glass ceiling is over, but we're setting them up for failure because these companies are already set in such bad situations. Like they're literally falling apart. So an example of this was the Yahoo CEO. She was coming in when Yahoo's numbers were falling, like they were falling behind Google, like the company was on the verge of bankruptcy. So they were like, you know what, here, we're going to give this to a female takeover. Now you do it. And they're struggling. They're going to, they're trying to figure out as much as they can um, on how to fix the situation. But like, how? what can they really do? If it fails, then it's like, oh, look, it failed because a woman was in charge. If it does great, it's like, see, like mommy took care of it. There's really no win-win here. And we see this too with like in politics, like when Brexit happened, I think their prime minister resigned and then Theresa May had to take over. This is another example of the glass cliff. Like we see this too with uh, Morgan Stanley with um, HP, with so many other companies as well. Like, it's just always the women are getting, like, the the rougher end of the deal. I honestly do not understand why that happens. Like, I guess you don't want to bring in, like, a distinguished male CEO to solve the issue to, or, like, maybe they just won't even do it. I don't know what it is. And I think maybe it's, like, their way of saying, look, this if it got worse, it's like, oh, look, you made the problem get even worse. Like now, now it's so bad. But maybe it's like also the patriarchy's way of saying, like, look, it's always been the women's fault. Like even 
with like the Salem witch trials, why was it always the women who were responsible for performing like witchcraft, which is also evident too in like women in culture. So I don't know about like Chinese culture, but in Vietnamese culture, women are basically like they they suck. Like when you're not you, not they actually suck, but when you have kids, like you want your firstborn to be male. Oh yeah, because you want to produce an heir. In China, it's now so much like the ratio of males to females is so poor. Like there's way too many males to females that some are like buying brides. yeah because there's just not enough females for the amount of males because everyone wanted a male so if like and also the one child policy right so Mm. if they had a male they could stop but if they had a female first they could keep trying until they got a male i was reading somewhere that uh i don't know if it's india or china but if they had a female they would like throw it out in the streets like leave their babies off in the streets they're like nope I only got to have one kid. I'm not going to have this one. Yeah. No, thanks. There was like, I think in China, like, especially in like the countryside and stuff, um, or like even in the city, like some people just like, if their firstborn was female, they would just like get rid of it. Yeah. Um, so I was watching this show called house of Ho. They had two kids. Like there was a boy, girl, boy. And the girl, her, her name is Judy. She was explaining that, um, every time there was a boy in the family, they were so proud to have a boy. They named him after like a U.S. president. But because I was a girl, I'm a disappointment. So they named me Judy. And that just goes to show that Vietnamese culture, like they just don't value women. Like even back in the day too, like women were just like basically slaves. Like if you were brought in as like the what daughter-in-law or something like that, you were basically a slave to the family. You had to do whatever they wanted to do. Um, you really had no opinion. If you were married or a mom or something, you were forced to clean, cook, like do everything for the family. And the husband like didn't really, wasn't really involved. He just had to bring home some money at the end of the day, the wife had to take care of the kids. It's still the same kind of culture now where it's like males don't really have to be that attractive or like this is in China that like males don't have to be attractive they don't have to have much of a personality but if they can bring home money and their family is pretty like well off or like at least average they are like the peak of the bachelor path we see this in bling empire (laughs) yes like gabriel like even though he's like technically royalty or whatever and he looks like Okay, I'm not going to be mean to his appearance, but he's not the most handsome guy around the block. And Christina is beautiful. Just a lot of Botox, I guess. But yeah, that's the same double standard too in in Vietnam. It's like, if if the girl is fat, they'll comment it so much. They're like, have you tried just like not eating? Mm -hmm. People have said this to me as well. And like to the guys, they're like, oh yeah, he's just like big and hearty. It's fine. He's a growing boy. He needs to eat. It's just like so annoying, the double standard. And I know like, we're modern day now maybe things are a little bit better but we see this too like in my own family like i i do all the cleaning basically like my i have two other brothers they they technically should be cleaning and if you're listening to this yeah you should be cleaning it just goes back like i was talking to my mom about it and i was like how come i was expected to know how to do everything and we asked my younger brother to do one thing and he just can't do it or like he he just like argues and fights and she was like 
oh yeah you know what like he yeah he argues too much I, I can't ask him to do anything but how come I'm expected to know how to do it like it looks bad on me if I don't know but the boys get a pass at it like I'm an only child so I don't really know how it would be if I had like an brother of any sort but I remember when I was younger my dad would say things like oh you need to know how to wash the dishes because you're gonna have to do that for when you have a family one day or your husband is going to expect for you to know how to wash the dishes or clean the house or anything like that but I guess like in a similar vein he was like you're a female so you shouldn't be expected to cut the grass which is really sexist anyone can cut the grass but I was very should cut the grass yeah I was I don't cut the grass I don't cut the grass either but (laughs) I was thankful for not having to do it because I read a story or like my mom told me a story that some kid was trying to cut the grass and then his got his foot cut off so then I was too scared to cut the grass anyways. So even though it was a sexist comment, I didn't say anything about it because I didn't want to cut the grass anyways. I'm sorry, but if you get your foot cut off from cutting grass, like, you had it coming. Yeah, he was a young kid, though, so. Yeah, I don't mean to victim blame, but yeah, that was your own fault. Yeah, but then there's also times where, um, so I like to cook and I like to bake. Like, they're just, I love eating, so I don't know why. I wouldn't want to be part of the process as well, I guess, where my dad's like, oh, this is a good hobby for a female to have. I'm like, this should be a good <laughs> hobby for anyone to have. I, I don't understand why. Uh, like, do like, men man, not need to feed themselves? <laughs> I gotta fight these gender norms. Damn it. I am a gender norm. <laughs> I I can't. And also, um, so going to your, like, on TV, like, I was watching Singapore Social. And she was saying that she is a disappointment to her mom because in Singapore, every female is in PR or marketing. And she is a founder of a blockchain consultant firm. And that's impressive all in itself. Like she's an entrepreneur. She goes to like conferences and stuff. She like she brings up other women in leadership as well, but her mom's still disappointed in her because she didn't take the traditional path. And having looked at her LinkedIn recently, I think she might have she might have succumbed to her mom's wishes because I think she also does marketing on the side wow. now as well. So while she's still like a founder of that company, she also has like a marketing role. Oh no. I mean, that's good for her. But also, it's bad if she did it just to impress her mom. Yeah. I think it's like, it's because, I I don't know if this is like all Asian cultures, but in China, and like even my parents, it's always been like, marry the doctor, marry the CEO. It's never become the doctor, become the CEO. I think my, my parents always wanted one of us to be a doctor. Doesn't matter who. So I guess they were not sexist there. <laughs> Plus one for them. <laughs> but yeah, to to your point, yes. Like anytime um they they knew anyone who was a doctor or a CEO or something, they're like, wow, that'd be a great catch. See, they'd be a great like wife or husband or something. They'd be so good. And yeah. my dad has said to me too before, he was like, you know what? I just want you to settle down. I know you're not like that that pretty, that that smart. It's fine. I just want you to settle down with like a nice rich guy and be stable. Like, see if you can find a doctor or something. But like, why can't you be the doctor? Why can't uh, you because be? I hate touching people? <laughs> yeah, but like that's not the point. I... <laughs> but yes, I see what you mean. Like, why do I need someone to rely on for money? I am my own source of money. 
yeah in that vein I would never personally be able to be like a stay-at-home mom just because I would need that financial security for myself like I've known people from like my parents friends who were stay-at-home moms and there was a lot of times that people got into fights about money because like um the men in the relationship would be like well I make all the money and you don't do anything so you have no say in how I spend the money this just goes back to have that conversation with your partner like you can't all you can't like someone can't take the full responsibility of one role Mm -hmm. like there needs to be equal footing there stay-at-home mom is a tough job and kudos to anyone who does it I personally cannot because I would go crazy. Um, and I also don't want to be working full time because then I would go crazy too. And I think it's, yeah, it's just about having that conversation, finding that balance or else like you're going to just have an unhappy life. Yeah. I th- hate it when people, I guess, look down on stay at home moms. There's a lot of women who have to make that difficult choice to stay at home. And it's not like an easy job. Like I cannot even imagine staying at home for like 24 hours a day dealing with a screaming toddler or like multiple screaming toddlers having to cook clean all the time and then like not be thanked for what I do kind of thing Yeah, and be told I do nothing yeah my god I would divorce sorry that's just me kudos to all of you stay-at-home moms all of you working moms all of you who are working and don't have any kids uh y'all are doing great that's so annoying though that now not only do you have to cook clean take care of the house take and now you all take care of the kids now you also are expected to be in the workforce and be like a a badass woman in the workplace now it's like how am i supposed to do two things was fe- was feminism a mistake <laughs> jk jk it's not but like you know what i mean (laughs) and the fact that if you don't work it's very hard to survive at least in canada on just one income yeah so you need to be like a dual income family and then it's just like even more added pressure it i mean feminism is great don't get me wrong but it's just because of i guess the expectation now that women should be working prices have gone up i mean it's great that women are also working because it gives them balance but i think like the same thing should be said to men like stay at home with your kids if you have to like maybe more more approved days off for them also more sick days at ford um what's just more like parental leave we have maternity leave give parent paternity leave a thing yeah like share share the stress even for adopted children too. So our question to the viewers is, um, what do you do in the workplace that you you are actively trying not to do? Do you see yourself doing anything that we do? Do you have any advice you would want to give to women in corporate America or Canada or in the workplace in general? Let us know in the comments, pointing below. Um, give us a thumbs up on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to us on Stitcher, Apple, Spotify. I'm not going to list them all, Um, but also follow us on TikTok, Twitter, Instagram. All right. Thanks, everyone. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.